Hey everybody, this is Diana um, and this is On The Road With D. And today I've got a very, very special guest, uh, my friend Theo. She is, uh, I don't know what to call you, just a media personality. She is uh, a preacher, <laughs> a preacher. Uh, she is a real life Grace Greenleaf. Uh, is her name Grace? Yes, it's Grace. Okay, um, and um, just theologian and like all around awesome human being. You might know her from some of her work as well as Alive, our other podcasts, Kalibu Conversations or Capital FM or Flood Church, just like so many things. Um, and one of the things Theo and I both have in common is that we are people who are interested in theology and the work of God in the church. Um, and we happen to also be individuals of the cervix. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, we are women and uh, we're Christian women. <laughs> um, and we, because of that, that intersection of we are people of faith, we're Christians, uh, we are theologians and we're people who work a lot in the church. We kind of go to the same church and we're people who are we're both in the leadership team of our church and we're very involved in that. Um, we both preach, uh, but the fact that we're women brings in a pretty unique intersection um, for, yeah, for, for us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Women and the church, women and the Bible, women and the patriarchy and the patriarchy in the church um, and just, those kinds of things and so Theo welcome to the podcast I'm so excited to have you here thank you just a clarification me being a real life Grace Greenleaf doesn't mean my mother's got a mega church she does not have a mega that's church <laughs> that's true she is Greenleaf without all the uh, without the without, drama without the mega yeah. without the family drama uh, just with the gifts and with, <laughs> um, yeah, pastor uh, for a mother, <laughs> and pastor for a mother, and like just coming from a generation of pastors and preachers. Um, so Theo, what's kind of like? I know you're both you and I at flood now. Uh, I've been flood. I've been at flood for about a year, um, mm -hmm. but you've been at flood longer than I've known you. And you went to like Bible school and all of that, which I wonder if we can get into. You know, <laughs> because we have talked a little bit about your Bible school and, um, <laughs> but like, uh, what, what's been your journey? Like, did you always grow up in a church that was progressive and accepting to women and all of that, or that has been a process? Um, it's been both. Um, I think one of those two steps forward, one step back type stuff, um, because I think the, the church I grew up in was, was pretty progressive. I mean, they had uh, women in leadership. Because I always say my mom, before she was even ordained, she was already doing like pastoral duties. And like, I always feel like I've always been a pastor's kid, like even before mm. her ordination, because our house was just that. Those yeah. forever prayers. Almost every Friday night had night of prayers. You, had, you just had multiple people at the house for no reason. And I mean, they had a reason, but for me, it felt like no reason. But anyway, yeah. Um, so it, the, that church was was um, pretty progressive um, in their thinking in that 
you know, they allowed women to be on the pulpit, to even attain that, uh, uh, to, to do those pastoral duties and whatnot. And I think, I feel like it's, it's even, um, I, I didn't think of it until now that it, it was probably definitely progressive because my mom was a single woman, you know, raising six kids, but still was given these um, duties, you know, and, and like yeah. was, was um, entrusted with like even preaching. So I think that was um, pretty progressive of them at the time. Um, but going into, but it always felt like my worldview of that was always different from my friends and, uh, mm-hmm. everywhere I went, like if I go to a friend's house for a sleepover on Sunday, we go to their church and it's kind of like, <laughs> like in a weird zone because it's like, eh, this is not yeah. kind of like where I'm coming from, you know, and all yeah. of that. And, and most of my friends went to very conservative churches as well. So mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, you know, one of those. But I think the biggest cultural shock for me was getting into college because, yeah. uh, like you said, I did go to a Bible school, didn't really study Bible, but went to a Bible school. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bible wasn't my major. Um, so yeah. we, like, the idea of going to a Bible school was um, because they had a, a, a good uh, mass communication uh, department. So, which was something that attracted me to the school. And going there, the, my initial idea was, you know, everybody's a Christian. And, and so this is a very Christian school. And, you know, I'm thinking because of where I'm coming from, women can preach Jantani, then, you know, this should just be bobo. But getting there and there was the shock of, I would you know women can't preach or shouldn't preach? I'm like, yeah. ah, and then like, what is happening here? And there was like lots of just um, theology clashes that I met with um, while I was there um, that I was just, you know, so confused of like, what, like, what is going on? And I don't know what to do with the things that you're telling me here. And I'm, I'm so grateful for my class itself because I think the people in my class, um, I feel like a lot of them I came from sort of the same type of backgrounds with and they challenged certain lectures of like, yo, no, we don't believe in that or, you know, explain a little bit more about this, especially when it comes to like women and whatnot. And the fact that, you know, anybody, any uh, girl who wants to do major in theology was given that class was like sure it can be a major but you couldn't be in the hermeneutics class so that wasn't that was a boys club explain to the explain to the peeps (laughs) who don't have theology hermeneutics basically (laughs) um is in in simplest terms it's interpretation of 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 god's word yeah? yeah so kind of what equips preachers to be preachers to be able to um interpret god's word and and, and give out a preaching so yeah. i don't know how they thought oh a girl wants to do theology sure come in but don't take the essential subject that's going to help you do your work you know it was like um, weird and in my class we had only yeah. one girl who decided to go the theology route um yeah. so she did she wasn't allowed in that class that class was literally boys only uh club 
And I mean, I'm probably like, I know there's probably people hearing this, right? Who like haven't been in the same space as we have been where this is probably shocking that, you know, universities have classes that are men only, you know, um, and women are not allowed in those classes. It feels so backward, right? But like for some of us, like that was never, there's a lot of universities. This is not even like news in the Christian university world that there mm -hmm. is like, you know, classes that are men only and women only and whatever. And like, it's just like now, I mean, there was a time where this was normal for me. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, I mean, kind of. But like now looking back, it's just like, it's just like, how does that sound okay? Like, you yeah. know, because I think, I feel like anybody can understand how that is not okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, you want to continue? Yeah. So, I mean, that was the thing that it was just, for me, it was the most confusing thing of like, wait, you like, what do you mean we, you know, that women can't preach? And you know, the, the verse where um, Paul tells women to be quiet in the church. My gosh, that verse was thrown around a lot. And I yeah. just, uh, I, I think I used to turn off every time. Like we used to have um, yeah. chapel service in the morning every uh, weekday. Uh, so before classes began, we'd, have, we'd go into chapel for like 30 minutes and there'd be a preaching and all of that. And I, I can't even count how many times there was a preaching about how women should be quiet in the church. And I was just, I was like, you know, I, I feel like maybe you feel like you're coming from a genuine place um, that you want to follow God's word. This is why you keep bringing this thing up because it's such an issue. But at the same time, I wish they would have um, the same scrutiny that they gave us who said women can preach. I wish they gave their own theology the same scrutiny, like really mm. take it apart and figure it out of like, is yeah. it, you know, something, because I think that's kind of the trap we all fall in of like, we don't really scrutinize our beliefs, the things that we've grown up in. And I mean, I understand mm. the founders of the, of the school come from the South and the States and it's very, you know, conservative, very, yeah very within yeah. you know and they have yeah. all of those um beliefs about how women should behave and how women should behave in the church and how um yeah. people should kind of go about doing life or even dressing within the mm. church i mean my school didn't allow us to wear pants in in class we didn't we didn't wear pants in class uh, even up to now yeah, yeah yeah even up to now you're not allowed to wear pants in class. Um, wow. So you, you could wear pants outside of class on weekends, but you couldn't wear them in class. Yeah. You couldn't wear them in the chapel. If you had pants going into the chapel, wear it, you didn't go on top. But you weren't just allowed to just have pants in, in the chapel just like pandas. That was a crime. Yeah. Um, you would be invited to the dean's house for that. Um, so, oh, wow. it, you know. So like coming from rules like that, I kind of understood where they came from with their idea of women should not preach. But at the yeah. same time for yeah. me, it was like, I wish you would just take a second to really yeah. scrutinize your beliefs and really take them apart. Cause yeah, for me, I was very uncomfortable with it, honestly, the entire time. Yeah. Did you like, yeah, I'm sorry. 
Did you ever feel like a conflict? Like to be like, hey, you guys are teaching me all of this. And yet I know my mom is this like fierce force in our community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like just like that, like growing up, seeing your mom preach and just like step into like her calling and her gifting. And then you have people telling you this is bad. This is evil. She's obeying God, disobeying God. She is, mm-hmm. you know, did you ever feel like, that tension yeah. and conflict? Um, I did. I did feel a, a bit of tension because I think there were a lot of people, like even in my class, I knew people who came to ABC with different beliefs of like, oh no, yeah. I, I believe women can preach. But then getting there and yeah. hearing all of these things that they will now teach you in class, people started to change their minds. Like, oh no, they're right about yeah. this particular thing. And, yeah. and I don't even fault them for that. It's like, sure, go ahead and believe what you want to believe. That's fine. But I think for yeah. me, having grown up in the environment I grew up in made me even more stubborn yeah. towards, no, I'm not going to accept that, yeah. you know? Um, because here's I have raised here. <laughs> you know? I'm like, I, I have seen the impact my mother has had on our community Mm. and I have seen like firsthand of what you know of how fierce a woman she is and what she's done and how she's helped multiple people with her preaching on the pulpit you know so it's for me that that was like a I don't know if I can subscribe to your preaching and I don't know if I can subscribe to to that particular teaching um I'm gonna hold on to my to mine because I think I have seen the impact of a woman being that fierce, being that, you know, reaching for the stars, I would say. So I yeah. think for me, that was that, that I remember uh, during a, was that? It was missions class. So we had this missions class and we were asked mm-hmm. to write um, a paper on the history of our church. No, actually it was, it was church, Afri- uh, church history, it was church history class. And so you're asked to write a paper on your, your church history, where you come from. So I wrote the <laughs> church history. And at the time, I wasn't part of Flood yet. I was still going to my mom's church. And so I wrote the history of that particular church. And I remember my lecture on my paper. Like, he gave me a good grade. It was fine. But he yeah. actually asked of, like, is this church um, the church that broke away from the CCAP and that, da, 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 which he was right it was. But I didn't want to go back to him and be like, yeah, it is. Because I felt like I'll be blacklisted of like, oh, no, you don't believe the same things we believe in. And so, you know, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to give you Fs now because yeah. you don't. You don't oh, like, I was so scared <laughs> that I was like, I hope yeah. he doesn't know my face. I don't, I hope he doesn't remember me or forgets my paper or something. I just, you know, yeah. never... Yeah, never made myself known in his. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like being in like a space like that, education-wise. Because I mean, my background is kind of similar, um, and uh, in a sense of like, so growing up, I was born in a Suzuki church. Uh, shout out to my prezies, <laughs> but my grandmother um, took me to church faithfully, and my grandmother was a faithful member there. Um, and, um, but later in life, just due to multiple events, I ended up changing churches multiple times. Right. And like, there's times where I just changed, like when I started living with my mom, I started going to their church. Um, and, uh, eventually like I said, I chose my own like church to go to, um, 
twice now <laughs> you know kind of like I've been in multiple churches yeah. in my short life but <laughs> one of the things that like and keeping in mind that I was raised by my grandmother who is a force and just like the best woman I've ever known and I've also was raised with my mom and her two sisters so when I was growing up with my grandparents really I look at myself like having three moms because like Mm -hmm. all of them feel like they've equally contributed I've literally spent probably more time with my aunt and my grandmother than I did with my mom and so all of these women are women who have who are incredible and like I like I'm in awe of the women that they are and the people they are um and so that's kind of like I've grown up seeing strong women right and eventually anyway back to my church journey eventually I kind of I came to Christ and started taking my faith seriously and um, I ended up in a church that uh, was just didn't believe believe like your bible school did to say women um, you know women are made in the image of God and are equal with men and women uh, but we have very distinct roles in that there's things that women can and cannot do especially in the church and I think um, yeah one of those major things that was a, a line drawn in the sand was women cannot be preachers yeah. uh, women cannot um, stand up in a pulpit on a Sunday morning um, and in this particular church, you couldn't, you almost didn't see women do anything. So women couldn't give announcements. Women couldn't preach the word of God, um, mm. carry around the offering or anything like that, you know. Um, and that's kind of like where I found myself in. And like for a while, I believed that. For a while, I was like, yes, yeah, is what the Bible says, this is what Paul says in the scriptures. Um, and um you know, I was rocking with that. Uh, yeah. And then I started to, as you're saying, like having started to have that moment of critiquing my own faith. And, uh, and I think when I look at, when I looked at how I want to be in the world and the kind of, the kind of views I want to hold um, that reflect the God that I've come to believe in, I started to struggle more and more seeing how, that could be a right interpretation of the scriptures. Yep. Like the more I read about the context that Paul was writing in. And one thing that really happened to me that really changed my view and made me confront my own, like, nah, like, I don't think this is consistent, is I started reading through the Bible and seeing so many women. Um, before, whenever I would, you know, in the sermons or like, when we talk about church history, we talk about men you know we talk about the men like martin luther we talk about charles spurgeon and john calvin and like all those like great men right and sometimes we'll talk about they would talk about their wives as well but when they talk about their wives it would be how submissive they were and just like how much they worked in the home and like how they helped their husbands succeed (laughs) yeah they helped they were the helpers because god has called us to be helpers right Mm -hmm. and I started to look at the Bible and see a lot more women just being like, and that, that year I went on a project and said, I'm going to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and just try and approach it without any of the baggage as much as I can of what I have been told, yeah. right? Of just like reading Genesis 1 and yeah, like you already know, like in the beginning, blah, blah, blah. But like, what if I, I tried to read it with a clean slate, you know, for the for the first time and I attempted to do that. And one of the things I started to see was 
women, women, women. Like you think of the story of um, um, Hagar in, 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 in Genesis, you know, Ishmael and Hagar, and just seeing how God, the kind of relationship God has with her. Um, and you kind of see um, Deborah and judges, like oftentimes I've heard people say, oh, Deborah was a response to men's passivity, you know, in a world where yeah. uh, men are passive, God is kind of forced to raise up women because, and I'm like, that's not how the story goes. I remember reading it for the first time and Theo, this was like, I'm talking about three years ago, probably yeah. three and a half years ago, four years ago. And I'm reading and I've been a Christian maybe for four years now, then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading and for the first time, I'm like, I'm reading the story and I'm not seeing any of the stuff you told me the stories about, mm-hmm. namely that God was just like, had no choice because the men in judges were so bad that yeah. like he had no choice. But, and like, I was like, no, this is not what the story is. Like Deborah is a flipping prophetess that God has chosen. Exactly. And like, mm-hmm. anyway, but even in the new Testament, right. I see mm-hmm. the women being part of like Jesus, Jesus's ministry, like mm. like the women were bankrolling Jesus, the women were running the show with Jesus's ministry. And even then, um, all the apostles basically just had all those women that were supporting, supporting them and not only supporting women that were leading churches, like women that had churches in their homes, mm. uh, leading churches. You think of Junia and Phoebe and all those just incredible women who f- were forces. But again, we live in this like patriarchal world, right? Like we can't talk about the oppression of women without talking about patriarchy. And um, of course, patriarchy is in the church too. Of course, patriarchy is in Bible interpretation and mm-hmm. theology or whatever, because it is in everything. Mm-hmm. And so I think just like when I started to question and critique my own views was, was when I realized it's very inconsistent with what I see in the Bible and also very inconsistent with who I am um, and who I, I've been raised to be, being somebody who has been raised by strong women um, and seeing strong women around me, you know, seeing people who preach and being like, nah, man, like she, this person is, and this is not even about gifting, right? Because so many people would be like, we're not saying like women are not gifted. We just think that they should only use their gifts with other women or with children, you know, like, so women can only preach in a setting where there's women only or they're teaching children, which was then like bringing up the inconsistency of uh, inconsistency of like, but when do men become men? Like, are they men when they're 18 or like, you know, like, so there's just so yeah. many flaws in that theology. Uh, that led me, the more I said to question it, the more I ended up in this place where I was like, no, this is not, this is not a consistent theology. And I broke away from it um, in ways that were hard and painful in its own way. I mean, you know, a little bit of my story and experience with that. It was a very, very painful, emotionally painful, costly journey for me to be on. It cost me so many things. It cost me so, so many relationships. My heart was broken in ways that uh, I just never thought was possible. But at the same time, I have found such great freedom on this path where I know that God, I have a several God who sees me and values me as an equal in his kingdom and says a space for you anywhere that you want and anywhere that you can. And like just stepping into that calling and not like not limiting myself. And I think 
I think one of the most amazing things I've experienced for with coming to flood and serving Andayami because he kind of played a part in this, you know, because <laughs> he was literally yeah. the first man ever put me in a pulpit and preached. Like the first time I preached, so Theo and I did a series together at Flood Blantyre, and we had they had four women preach for the month of February in 2018. Yeah, 2018. And it was pretty, pretty dope. And like, was that funny? Yeah, it was so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, 18, yeah. Yeah, 2018. It was so much fun. Um, but like, it got me in a lot of trouble because then I wasn't at flood yet, right? And there was a lot of like, you know, tension that was there and things that I had to resolve with my former church because like I was going directly against what they were teaching. Mm-hmm. But even having experiencing that like the freedom of like somebody seeing that hey you're gifted and I think the the people in my church deserve to be hearing from gifted women that it adds value um, Mm -hmm. for the church to be hearing from women and to be hearing the perspectives and the views of women and I think that was just incredible and I've even seen more and more of that um, as of now that I'm a full-time member at Flood um, I, I mean I preach a lot I think I'm preaching in a couple of weeks as well. Not, I mean, yeah, I, I, the number of preaching that I've done, and it's I something that I'm like, um, don't start with this. <laughs> you know, when you start, I'm going to start too, Pastor Green. Okay, moving on. I think on one hand, it's just been really fun for me. Like I, the weeks that I'm preparing for a sermon. I'm just like over the moon because I really feel like, man, I'm doing things that I'm gifted in. And for me, it's not even just the preaching itself, right? I'm a, I'm like a Bible nerd. And so like just being able to share some of that like knowledge and like make theology fun for people is always um, fun and interesting to me. Um, but also the fact that like more than anything that um, Yami, our pastor, trusts me as a single young woman, young-ish woman, as a single 25-year-old to stand. And uh, I think that sends such a powerful message. And just serving under his leadership, I've experienced what it means to have men who are full um, allies and supporters of women, men who uplift. You know, he uplifts us in ways that are public. He affirms us publicly and privately. And um yeah, there's just been such blessing I've experienced serving alongside men who um, see me uh, and provide room and see their own shortcomings and they need to have strong women working beside them as equals, you know, um, as as peers and not just as I am the leader and you are coming under me. Um, and so on that note, like what has have been some of like the positive experiences that you have had with um in the church and taking your place as a woman in the church um i think there's been a lot of um positives in that um i think because of um the way i've grown up i think i've learned to not make myself at home in spaces where they don't make me feel at home um which is kind of like um kind of partly of of my college experience of um i remember i was friends uh, funny enough during the time that that was in my second year 
yeah, freshman year towards my second year. Um, it was the time when, you know, you're getting hit more and more about how be yeah. quiet as a woman and all of that stuff. And that's when uh, my own, I think, interest in teaching and what teach, whether that was a very rebellious nature of me wanting to just rebel <laughs> against what I'm being told in college, it's very possible. Yeah. But um, <laughs> really, I had... I had a group of friends that we would go off campus and um, do these prayer things that we used to do. And then that led me to being more active in my mom's church and ending up preaching quite a bit in my mom's church as well. And yeah. all of a sudden it was like, it felt like a clash between I go to school and I'm supposed to be this meek little woman mm -hmm. and I go to my mom's church and everyone's like oh woman you know do pray, yeah. preach or something or whatever woman of failure and uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know so it felt like I'm living double life type of thing yeah. um but anyway all this to say that I think um places like my mom's church that um, has built me and accepted me like even there were older men in that church that respected me um, respected me for what I knew, for uh, the things that I did that they would ask me, hey, can you lead in this particular thing? Because for me, it was like, thank you for noticing me. Thank you for uh, seeing that I actually have ta gifts and talents in this, like God has gifted me in this area and you're allowing me to mm -hmm. use that particular gift. And it's not, it didn't even come out as a, oh no, you're trying to be like, me or you're trying to say you know more things than me like usually it ends up that way like somehow you using your gifts and talents is equal to oh no you're putting somebody else down because you know so it's yep. like <laughs> can I comment on that a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. And I like it was in one of my conversations as I was like because it was years of like wrestling with this right like it's it's not just like waking up and changing your mind it is you're undoing a way of thinking and mm -hmm. as i was processing that with friends um i remember one particular friend of mine like a male friend was like yo d have you like considered that perhaps the reason why you're wanting more opportunity for women to serve in the church and like you know all these opportunities is that you're power hungry, you know? And um, basically they're like, your desire to wanna see women on the pulpit comes with wanting power, you know? Um, and man, that statement really broke me because I was like, wow. you know me, like this is somebody who knows me intimately um, and somebody who I would like to believe knows my heart and knows that um, I am not power hungry, you know, I am not, which I mean, even that itself is up for debate, right? Like, it's, it's like, you're always a bad thing. <laughs> but, like, uh, but like, that was just like, you know, like the fact that you're not even hearing me. And then it was not even that I'm fighting for me to like, for me to want to preach. I was just saying, hey, we could have more opportunities for women to serve in this space. Mm -hmm. And it was like, nope, you're just being, it just comes down to power and to, yeah. you know, that you want to be seen, you want the popularity that comes with being on a pulpit. Uh, which is so weird because like when you've actually been on a pulpit like there is no power like it's, it's, it's such a place of like humility because there's no power there's a lot of expectation not no power um but there's it's it's just not what 
all that what people think it is like there's a lot of expectation that people have on you there's a lot of um insecurity that you have as a preacher because you're preaching things sometimes that i'm just like god you know i i i ain't even like i'm the one that needs to be hearing this message i'm not the one that needs to be preaching it um but yo yeah i just wanted to back on that like that like some men even think it's just about power popularity Mm. maybe in some instances money um, fame or like wanting things instead of you actually wanting to to Mm -hmm. serve people yeah or like you're you're trying to prove that you're better than us you know type of thing and it's like nah I'm I'm not trying to do that at all um so I think being accepted like that um was pretty big for me and I think it it did shape me in ways that I didn't I think I didn't even recognize then, but like it did build me up. And, and of course there's, there's lots of things we could talk about how that also broke me in some way, but um, <laughs> that's a story yeah. for another day. But um, I think yeah. also my shifting from now that church getting into flood um, was yeah. quite big for me and feeling like flood was even more so because it was young people. Everywhere I looked, there were people like me. And people like me who were not afraid to say, you know, things, to call things out and to, you know, voice them, themselves out, say, this is what, you know, God's saying to me and, and all of that. And I think that um, was just really empowering and, and something that I loved and, and that felt like home to me. Like the first day I walked into flood, and I thought to myself, this is home. Like, this is where I, I need to be. This is where I need to stay. And so also that I think it was probably two or three weeks after that, after I joined, no, maybe it was a month, maybe a month uh, after I joined Flood, um, the then lead pastor, who was Pastor Sean at the time, um, had actually come to me and asked me to help out in a particular leading role in the church. And like, it was like, uh, wait, what? You, like, what? You know, you want me to do more, like to be a part of this? And and for me, it was something like that of, and also in him asking me, it wasn't like, a, oh, you're a, you're a woman. And so we want more women representation. So come and do this thing. It was just, hey, Theo, yeah. I think you have this particular gift. Can you use it in the church? And I think yeah. that, I appreciate more than anything that don't give me a role because somehow I have a cervix. No, give me a role. (laughs) You think I can actually do the job and do it well. Cause I think it's an insult for you to just say, Oh, because you're a woman, I want to consider you for this role. I think it's an insult. You know, it's like, I can't do anything. It's like my only qualification is a woman. And I, and I just hate that completely. Because I think yeah. there's more to me than just the fact that I'm a woman, you know? So yeah. if you and think I can actually do the work, then let me do the work. But don't give me yeah. a job or don't give me a role in the church because I'm a woman and you want to fill up your, wo- your women quota, you know? And I think, like, the even the whole point of us having this conversation, right, is like our goal for women is um, inclusion and belonging, right? Like we're not just looking for 
you to think as you say to fill up your woman quota and so like every time we're sitting on the women's on the leadership board this we're bringing is that of women and it's like no like we have other like I think the goal in us having this conversation is our hope is that the church would be a place where women can find um, belonging and can find, can be included and can belong, you know, um, that um, our voices can be heard and not only because we're women, but because we're human beings um, and that we can be space where there's true equality um, because it is important, right? And I think for me, one of the other things was, as you're saying, that you go to these other spaces. Um, it was like, for me, when I go to work and I work for a Christian organization, like we are four men and women are equals and men and women should have equal opportunities. And um, even doing the necessary work to make sure we've got women who can be chosen because they're qualified. And I think that sometimes includes choosing women because they're women and allowing them to have that same experience and training yeah. um, that time gives time has given men right mm. and um at the same time you're looking at the world and it's all about female inclusion women empowerment and all those things which like for some christians think that is the threat to christianity you know i've had people be like you know, this female empowerment thing, you know, and it's just like, no, but like, that is a good thing. That is rooted in the very thing we believe, that men and yeah. women are made equal oh and in mm -hmm. the image of God. And mm -hmm. um, so for me, the fact that like, we're having these conversations everywhere except the church mm -hmm. um, really challenged me and thought, like made me think there has to be something that we're not doing right, because it's mm -hmm. not even that this thing goes against what we believe it is other people are looking at what we believe and are doing it better than we are <laughs> you know yeah. um, mm -hmm. other people are looking at the foundational truth um, of our faith and they're running with it and making mm -hmm. significant progress in the world fighting for things that actually matter like health equality education equality income equality or whatever and mm -hmm. imagine the church the influence and the power that we have if we were the ones that are against the patriarchy first, you know? And I, and I mean, I think this kind of like leads, leads to the other part of the conversation, which is like, um, of course, the reason that people are not fighting for against the patriarchy is because the patriarchy serves them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and like serves them. And like, when in true fact, nobody wins, when there's not true equality. Um, yep. But a lot of the, 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 the criticism or, just like a lot of what is, but the Bible, people use the Bible as a tool to defend patriarchy, that the Bible is a book that is patriarchal and, you know, anti-women. Um, and both of us as women who are uh, believers and um, trust and love the Bible, but we're also women who are um, progressive and like we believe, you know, we're equals and our place in the world. How do you reconcile that, like, you're reading a book that says, um, you know, things like uh, stoning women or whatever, like, or things like uh, if a woman 
you know, cheats on her husband and gets pregnant, she must be stoned or just like weird things like that. I mean, there's like mm-hmm. even horror stories in the Bible yeah. that are just like, mm-hmm. as a woman, those stories are just not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. fun to read. Um, how do you yeah. personally like, I mean, even women should submit, women are helpers. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman is the weaker vessel, the man was mid fist, and it is Eve that caused the man to see. And like, we can. There's like multiple scriptures that we can look at. How do you personally just like approach those scriptures? Yeah, I think um, for a long time I've just had, um, you know, a bit of trouble reconciling that with my faith of like, yeah, but these things, these stories are in the Bible. Like, how do I defend my faith in this way? And I think for a while during my Christian walk, for there was a time period where I kind of just pretended those things weren't in there and yeah. uh, moved as if they are not. But I think there's a certain level which I am happy that they are in there because it's a true representation of what is on the ground in the world right now. Yeah. It's what has always been. You know, for me, it's a true, it makes the Bible even more relevant for me. The fact that those particular horror stories are in there, those particular words are in there, because then it doesn't remove the Bible from my reality. It's, it's right there with, with me, you know, and it's like, these stories are told because in that culture at that time, that was a thing. It was a thing that was happening. Was it a good thing? No, it was not. Even then, it was not. But it was a thing that was happening at that time, and there were rules, and there were things that were going on. In the same way that we have weird rules right now, you know? For the longest time, girls were allowed to be married off at 15 years old. Like, oh, they had consent from their parents, and that's okay. And, like, there's so many communities where that was a thing, and it was okay in those communities yeah. was it okay for those women for those girls to be married at that age no everybody can attest to yeah. it that no it wasn't but these things were happening so for me it's the idea that um i reconcile with them in that i don't pray to a god or believe in a god who is removed from such stories yeah. like yeah. he is right there in the stories he is right there when um, all of these rules are being made about stoning women or all of that. Like he is there, but also there is the level of all of these things are happening after the fall. So we yeah. know that there yeah. is a level of sin that is within us that makes us think such things are okay. And for a long time, we can, we've justified it. But I think to continuously now, even now to look at those stories and make them a justification instead of something we can look to and say, hey, the Bible can, you know, the Bible is in our reality because it has these things, I think is wrong to use them as a, as a justification. Instead, use them as a learning piece. Because yeah. even then, things changed between those rules about stoning women and all of that to the New Testament yeah. where Jesus comes and then to where, you know, the disciples live. Things changed, things shifted, you know? So I think that, you know, even the idea of um, 
Mary going and, and, and pouring her perfume on Jesus's feet and, and, and wiping it with her hair and all of that, that would have been considered so wrong if that, if she, if yeah. that had happened during Exodus days. That's just, let's yeah. just stone you to death, woman. Yeah. Who would, yeah. who among the women during Moses' time would have been able to say, oh, I am so blessed by Moses. Let me just go pour perfume, wash his feet with my hair. You know, yeah. everybody would have been like, yo, woman, off there, let's go stone you, you know? So I feel like there is a shift in, in there, there is a change there, yeah. even in within those practices and things like, Jesus being able to say, hey, Mary's gesture is okay. Because even the men in the room were put off by it. They're like, yo, yeah. what are you doing? Why would you do that? Because they're, in, they're, they're coming from a place where it's like, this is wrong. This can't be done. Yeah. And when Jesus makes it okay and says, no, this is her saying thank you to me. This is her loving me. You know, I think yeah. that is, creates a big shift in things. Yeah. So for I mean, me, I feel like, you know, that's that we should stop making these, using them as suggestions, I mean, justifications of why women shouldn't do this or women shouldn't do that, but rather learn from that of like, oh, yeah, what of this was, you know, um, was happening yeah. at that time and be able to, to put it in the right context, guys. There's yeah. such a thing as context that I think a lot of the times as Christians, we throw out context just like, like that when we're reading the Bible. But it's like, nah, fam, yeah. context matters. You yeah. know? And I think, I mean, what you're saying is right, that like even, I mean, as we read the Bible, uh, people, I think oftentimes a mistake that people make, um, and I think this is where like scholarship comes in place, and this is like why I have a heart for making Bible scholarship easy and accessible is because people take this book, this idea of, here's my raggedy Bible, like the idea of like, right now I could open any part of the Bible and it's going to be God's word speaking to me. And it's like, no, that is not true. Like if I open some like horror story about Tamar being raped, like what is that saying to me? You know, that's so the Bible is not a book that is like, every sentence is God saying something to me, uh, which is how we see a lot of people approaching it. And it's like, no, but the Bible is a history book. You know, the Bible is a book um, of uh, mostly about the history of Israel and uh, the relationship Israel has with their God and how in their world of brokenness, you know, and to narrate all the brokenness that was happening in Israel, which like, as you were saying, is the same kind of brokenness that we see. And, um, and part of that brokenness is patriarchy. You know, mm. somebody once said, the backdrop of the Bible is a patriarchal society. So yeah. when you're reading the Bible, you're not reading about the ideal society. You know, you're not reading about, unless you're reading Revelation and you're reading the end chapter of Revelation that paints a picture yeah. of what heaven is going to be. But everything else, it is, the like recollecting their history for their own remembrance right like yeah. essentially when we just talk about the bible as a book without talking about the like the sacredness of it you know mm -hmm. um at the base level it is a history book and like yeah. you can't just like one the context is it is a patriarchal culture that was in many ways oppressive towards women 
and then we see how God engages this culture and how God, uh, you know, engages a world of like so much sin, brokenness and injustice by being different from that world, by being anti-oppression, anti-injustice and all these things. Um, and I think one of the ways in which we see that clearly is the Gospels and um, just seeing women, um, this, this strong presence of women in Jesus's life, you know, um, from all the way from Mary, like Mary being, Mary the mother of Jesus being a sacred and set-apart woman to birth, to birth the Messiah and Jesus in his ministry making space for women, for Mary, Martha uh, and so many other women around him and obviously he lived in a culture where he could not appoint any of them as the disciples like that's just the reality yeah. of the culture that he lived in right that is all we're talking about it was a patriarchal culture yeah but his idea of i have come to establish a new kingdom when the yeah. go- like when he resurrects from the from and this is for me like the only justification i'll ever need for women preaching theo is the resurrection the fact that Jesus exactly. shows himself first to the women mm. and tells mm. them, go and preach the gospel. Like, go and tell the men. Yes, <laughs> like, that. Like, yes. That's all I'll ever need. Like, mm. Jesus mm-hmm. said, literally says, preach the gospel. Tell the men this yeah. is what has happened. Mm. Um, and obviously, men being men, took mm. that and just like, what do you call it? Mm. Um, when... What do you call it when the man, when the man tries to like, is it mansplaining? Is that mansplaining, what it's called? Yeah, mansplaining. And like, just basically, that's what they did, right? To to to, to this testimony of the women. I mean, for for starters, they didn't believe them. Um, but mm. even that in that establishment where the the people would not have believed the women, you yeah. know, even though it was proven that the testimony of the women was true, they saw Jesus first. Um, mm. they still needed to have this men because that's the world we live in for people to believe that Jesus is resurrected. Mm. But after that, like even Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on both men and women. It is men and women yeah. who prophesy. Um, mm. It is men and women who build the church. It is um, mm-hmm. men and women who support the church. And you even think of Paul. I think for me, everybody says, oh, but Paul was like the most oppressive of them all. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of it is people like misinterpreting not misinterpreting Paul but like I've seen people who are like using the words of Paul and being like women should um keep quiet in the church but yet you know they say nothing about wearing head coverings they say like it's like you choose that one verse and you ignore everything Mm -hmm. and everything after and you and these are well-read people that's the one thing that frustrates me that most of the like justification theological justification for the oppression of women and just like not creating space for women in the church it's like you clearly choose to not pay attention to the context like mm. like you know context is king you and yep. you know like you're well read enough to know the context of first corinthians and the things mm. that paul was addressing in the corinthian church mm. um you know things that um, paul was addressing to timothy when he was writing um was when he was helping uh, Timothy pass the church in Ephesus. Like you think Mm. of context, you think of what was happening in the church, what was happening in the community. And it's like, but when it comes to women, you don't want to read and think further. Like, yeah, it's like, Mm -hmm. you're just, we're just going to take this literally because like, if we do not, 
women are going to have more power and women that have power. Like, I, like, I do not understand yeah. what it is. It's ridiculous, like, really. You have the potential. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, because, like, Paul clearly, like, writes and affirms, makes it a point to affirm the women that work with him, you know, the women that have churches in their home. You think of even like Junia, you know, he calls mm. her an apostle. And even the story of Junia itself, just like for, for centuries, all those like Bible translators have tried to make her into a man because yeah. that's their only justification of a woman being an apostle, mm. you know? Um, but, you know, and yeah, like we've seen it all throughout history, like women, our achievements being deleted, right? Like the same yeah. way in which black people's achievements are constantly like yeah. um, erased. Mm-hmm. That Christianity does to women constantly erases our, our presence in history. Mm-hmm. You even think of yeah. um, when you talk, you talk, we talk about Augustine and being him being a church father, but we don't talk about the church mothers. We don't talk about the desert mm-hmm. mothers and the, the, work, mm-hmm. the work in which they played in the early church, you know, it's, it's all about the men when there were women alongside them equally doing the same kind of work. Um, and so, yeah, it's just so interesting to, to see that like the patriarchy runs deep even in the church, mm-hmm. you know, like even in the spaces where you have people who have been transformed. And I think what disappoints me the most is seeing men who don't care enough about women to unlearn their own, like to check themselves and be like, is there like a part in me that is like being patriarchal, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Is there a part in me that um, is just like, like, you know, just like, I need, like, even as we're talking this, is there men that are listening and thinking, oh, you know, Theo and D, like, you you guys are out of pocket. And it's like, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe you need to ask yourself, like, why am I being, stirred up within me um mm-hmm. not hearing what those women are saying if what you're hearing us saying is we want more power we want mm-hmm. uh, excuse like i don't know what what people are hearing other than mm-hmm. the fact that we want to see us as people made in the image of god and to see that yeah. we have the same voice and opportunity that mm-hmm. you have and we have value to bring to the table yeah. and i think the greatest gift that the gospel and the the God of the Bible gives me is the freedom to be who God made me to be, you know, the freedom Mm -hmm. to exercise my gifts, the freedom to belong, the freedom to know that like I was not made, my light was not meant to be hid. It was meant to, you know, put on a, on a, on a city, on a hill, you know, Mm -hmm. um, to be a witness to, to, to not um, not quiet your spirit, to to be Mm -hmm. a voice and um, that we both, you know, men and women, um, both should have should have a voice, right? Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, how has like the Bible given you um, hope and given you freedom? And, you know, the very reason, the very reason, and the tools to fight patriarchy in the church, especially um, <laughs> in the world. Um, I think for me. Um, it's kind of like the point you made before of like Jesus's resurrection is literally the, the best, you know, justification we need for women doing anything in the church, you know, for women rising up in the church. And, and so yeah. 
I think for me, that's um, something huge that kind of empower, that empowers me definitely of just the idea that Jesus came and said, hey, you're worthy to, you know, sit at my feet. You're worthy to yeah. come to me by yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you, you don't need to go through another human being. You can just come. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. the fact that we, we're all invited to come to him means there is a chance that he can just pick anyone and send to do something, you know, in the same way, like in one household, doesn't matter how many children there are, if those they're, you know, they belong to one set of parents and those parents can be like, Hey, I can hear all of you, all of your struggles. I can hear all of your grievances, but also when I need something done, I can just pick one child and send, you know, they don't think of, you know, I don't think parents think through of like, who is the best person to get my phone in my room? Like thinking through all the, you know, all of those things. It's just like, it's my child. I can send them to do whatever. Go get my phone. Yeah. Like without even having to really think through of like, am I calling my boy child or my girl child? Like, you know, there's nothing like that. And yeah. I think sometimes that that's the way I, I, I love to believe that that's the way, you know, God is. That he's just like, you're all my children. Yeah. You're in my house. You are with yeah. me. So when I need to get yeah. something done, I'm going to send, I'm yeah. just pick this one because I know this one has got this specific gifting. I can just send them to go and they will go and, and get it done. So I think there isn't yeah. much looking into, oh, whether they're a woman or they're a man. And sure, there's certain circumstances we can talk about of like, oh no, that need specific that that only maybe people will hear if a woman speaks or people will hear if a man speaks sure there are circumstances like that but I don't think it's as big as people want to make it sound like there is you know all of this heavy thought process into that I don't think there is so I think for me that's um a big comfort of like we're all children he calls us all his children he doesn't put one above the other he didn't put one gender above the other he didn't say oh, because you are this or because you're that, then I can't, you know, I can't send you because of the way I made you. No, it's just I made you. So I will send you to do whatever I need to get done. If you're the best person for the job, sure, I will send you to do it. And I I would like to believe that's how God treats us. And, And for me, that's my justification of yo, you know, you can say whatever you want to say, but if I'm God's child and he needs to get something done and he knows I can do it, he will send me. So, you know what? You can get out if you don't think that I can be sent by God to do yeah, the same yeah. thing, you know, to things yeah. that you can do. I I feel like that's, um, for me, is a justification. And, and also I've heard this a lot um, that is said usually in the Christian circles about, men being the head and whatnot. Um, and so somehow yeah. I have to fall under <laughs> the man if I am to lead yeah. or, or whatever. Like I cannot lead men. I have to fall under a man to lead and, and whatever. And, and I think that there's a lot of out of context that that is taken out of because I think yeah. that the man being the head has always been within the context of marriage. And that in of itself sure it's a whole different discussion but um i think that discussion yeah but like i don't think a man who i'm not married to 
is not my father um, has the right yeah. to say I am the head and so you cannot you know tell me anything yeah. I think for yeah. me that's wrong for me that's where I go back to hey you're a child of God I'm a child of God we're all kids in his house so yeah. if I was told to say something I'm gonna say it you know yeah. I'm gonna say it so let me in the same way you let your siblings yeah. say whatever in the presence of your parents let me yeah. because we're in the presence then, of like, our parents you know? yeah and and I think even then like I think of like and like as I mentioned earlier in the podcast like there's times where I believed like oh like if I'm not married I need to and like shamefully so like you know like if I am like if I'm not married then I need to be under the covering of like my dad or whatever but like man if my dad is going against like what God has put in me then like dad I'm sorry sorry Mm -hmm. not sorry but like I'm doing what God has put within me um, and also because, like, I think right now I'm I'm like you, like what I really like what you said about like not making myself at home in spaces that uh, what did you say I wrote it down not making myself at home in spaces that don't make me feel at home um, and just I have I'm done with um, explaining myself you know which is why like this podcast wasn't really about us defending ourselves right it's just us like sharing our experiences and like some of how we navigate and not really centering it around convincing people who feel like we don't belong um in the spaces that we belong because like ain't nobody got time for that like there is so much that is happening in the world there's so much that we need to like take our space in you know there's so much that like the world awaits our greatness that i have no time to actually like wasted convincing another person that I am worthy, I belong, I am made in the image of God, I deserve the same rights as them because that seems so elementary. And if they don't understand that, like they will not understand anything else I say. And I think essentially that's what all of this is about. It is us living in the age of the divine, living yeah. in a way that feels truest and authentic to who we are. And um for those who who believe that we're doing something wrong, then maybe like like we're not gonna waste our time with you. You know, exactly. like we're like we're going to where like we're dusting our feet and going to where our message is going to be heard. Uh, we're taking our spaces and spaces that honor us and um, believe us and want to listen to us and value our voices. And I like have so much hope because like I see so many, uh, not so many, but I see spaces like that where I have found belonging as a woman, um, places where I'm able to take my voice and my um, my voice is valued um, and everyone else's voice is valued um, and we're able to find, to take our space in the world um, and we're able to um, do the work of bearing the image of God in the world, bringing the justice of God in the world. Because like when we are all at our best, like when I am thriving as a woman, like everybody else in my life is thriving, you know, like mm-hmm. when we are all, like when we are all coming to the table as equals, like it is good for everyone, you know, equality and justice is good for everybody because it's, it creates spaces where nobody is overbearing over the other, nobody's taking on too much responsibility, but where we're all coming on an equal level and we can all thrive and that prepares us to do the work of um, bearing the image of God in the world and I think there's so many bad things happening in the world that 
we need good people working to bring justice for the poor, to speak up for those who are oppressed, that it feels like a waste of time sometimes to talk about the people that don't care for our voice um, and don't care for um, the things that we have to say uh, because it's just like, man, there's better things I could be doing. Um, yeah. But at the same time, the most important thing is that we have God who approves of, of, of us, right? And we have a God that looks at the injustice and doesn't just watch and fold their hands, you know? Um, like one of my favorite books in the Bible is a book of Judges um, yeah. because it's a horror. Like it's literally yeah. like every evil that you can ever imagine in the world has happened in the book of Judges, like genocides, yeah. rape violence but for me i love it because it reminds me that there is no evil in the world that like god doesn't see first of all um but also that like yeah i live in the world and like god sees this world that we're living in and sees the struggle and doesn't just fold um um their hands and just like you know whatever that's your business but god is actively involved in making things right in the world. God is for justice, for fighting oppression, and how that happens by people, you know, by us taking a place and raising a voice, those things. And um, I think that podcast has been us <laughs> fighting, uh, doing our part to fight injustice in the church, injustice yeah. against women in the church. Um, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. I mean, I'm still trying to decide if it's going to be part one or part two. Like, like if it's going to be two parts, because yeah. I mean, we've gone over time. Yeah. Um, there's my meeting will end in 10 minutes. Um, yeah. Any closing thoughts? Um, I think something that you, you were mentioning when you're talking about uh, judges that um, I remembered uh, of the story of the woman at the well uh, who meets mm-hmm. Jesus and who she's one a Samaritan and so there's a lot of shame there because this is a man a, a Jewish man and then yeah. also she's trying to get water from the well but he's there so there's a bit of a conflict yeah. of should I go should I not should I what not yeah. but the thing that Jesus does is um starts talking to her and I love the pa- part where she he calls her out and says you've had four husbands and the one you're with now is not even yours you know like it is like <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, I think the first time I read that was like a whoa, Jesus, like be a little yeah. softer toward the person. But now yeah. I feel like um, I remember I, I read a book by uh, Lisa Bevere, and and one of the things she talked about in that book was um, the idea of this woman going there and talking to Jesus that his words of telling her of like hey i already know your life story is like there's no need for you to be ashamed here no need for you to come here towards me with shame and then like after that conversation she walks out and she is empowered to go and tell others about the encounter that she had and i think for me that's the thing of like for so long women have had to deal with the shame of even just being a woman guys somehow there's like a level of shame to being that that i remember 
a lot of my years growing up being a teenager and, and even having such a powerful uh, woman for a mother, there was parts of me that I just hated about being a girl, that I was very tomboy yeah. within my teenage years, you know, and that yeah. because for me, it was rejecting the, you know, idea of being a woman, anything feminine was just, eh, no, it's not for me because somehow there was just a shame I felt with being yeah. a woman was like, you're a hopeless, uh, you know, person, you, you're weak and all of that. And I think that uh, particular narrative is wrong, but that I yeah. think that Jesus does call that out from all of us. You know, there's yeah. a place where he says, hey, I know your life story. Now pick yourself up and get up, you know, like there is a place where we can go and he knows already our life story. He knows already the struggles that are, that come with being a woman, that having a conversation mm -hmm. with him empowers us to go out and be able to do what we can do. So I think mm -hmm. there is, um, for me, that's something that uh, gives me hope that I think Jesus calls us out as women and is like, stop being ashamed, stop being yeah. timid stop being yeah. like I didn't give you that you know yeah. go get up and go because you are loved by me still you know so yeah. I think um for me that's something I, I I take away a lot something I carry with me a lot of you know yeah. Jesus says he didn't give me a spirit of timidity so why should I be timid around people yeah. you know if yeah. I'm empowered to speak let me speak I know there's spaces to be quiet and spaces to speak, but if it's a time for me to speak, speak. Doesn't matter who says don't speak, I'll speak anyway. So, Musa, see, <laughs> your inner pastor is coming Sorry. out. Like, you know, Pastor Green, Bishop, Bishop Greenleaf, <laughs> thank you for being here. <laughs> um, and, like, yeah, like, thank you so much. Like, I feel like, yeah, this is, I hope people enjoyed this conversation. Uh, this has been an encouraging conversation for me, and thanks for making the time. Um, you can find Theo at Zonsen.live, uh, hosting, uh, what's the show called? Uh, uh, opinionated. <laughs> opinionated, find a, a YouTube on the Zonsen Live YouTube, and follow her at Theo, that's me. Um, on Twitter, Instagram to keep up with all the amazing work that she is doing um, and follow me at I am not a goddess um, and yeah, thank you for tuning in and let us know our thought, your thoughts on our social media pages tweet at, tweet at us um, and like, yeah let's hear back from you um, thank yeah. you so much and peace <laughs> <laughs>